First order of business here in episode 316 of Unscripted with Mike and Chris is to acknowledge a guy that didn't make our douchebag list in episode 311. And he should have been at the top of the list. And it's my fault because I should have known. I've complained about this guy in multitude of episodes of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. And I'm talking about the Boston Celtics point guard, Kyrie Irving, as I welcome all of you into, again, episode number 316 of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you. And we'll start in the NBA. Um, this would have been Tuesday night. The Boston Celtics visited the Air Canada Center, where well, they call it Scotiabank Place now or whatever in downtown T.O. But to me, it'll always be the ACC. The Celtics have not been playing very well lately. They have slipped down to the sixth position, the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs. And I think it has a lot of direct correlation to this little bitch from Duke, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, if you remember at the very beginning of the season, there was a bit of a meet and greet in the TD Garden, uh, the home of the Boston Celtics. They had a bit of a meet and greet with season ticket holders at the very uh, very opening of this 20... Uh, what would be 2018-2019 NBA season. And Kyrie Irving said for everybody to listen to and his boss, Danny Ur- Danny Ainge, is sitting as far away from him as I am to Chris right now. And he said to anybody that would listen that my heart says I'll be signing with Boston at the end of this year because he is a re- he is a unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. He says for everybody in God and country to listen that I my heart's in Boston. I'm signing with the Celtics. Well, surprise, surprise. We get around the All-Star break, and you knew about Anthony Davis and his request to be traded out of New Orleans, and he really only wants to go to L.A. because his agent, Rich Paul, and Clutch Clutch Sports, maybe (laughs) maybe it is Clutch Sports, but Clutch Sports represents Rich Paul. That's his business. He represents LeBron James. He now represents uh, Anthony Davis. Um, he signed somebody else big yesterday too. Oh, Draymond Green is now a member of Klutz Sports. I think I'll go with Klutz Sports. Uh, and remember, Draymond Green is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. So I think they're trying to build this little mini team in LA. But regardless, Kyrie Irving, now let's go fast forward to All-Star Weekend in Charlotte and Kyrie Irving a week or so before the big festivities in the state of North Carolina says, Come talk to me on July 1st about where he's going to play next year. Because supposedly he made a phone call to LeBron and all this drama in the NBA. But I think that has carried over to his play on the court. Boston has won one and lost four, I believe, off the top of my head since they've been back from the All-Star break. And last night, or excuse me, Tuesday night in Toronto, they lost by 30 to the Raptors. The new and improved Raptors with Mark Gasol at center. Um, I think that Kyrie Irving needs to shut his goddamn mouth and just play basketball and worry about this season and the best that he can do for the Boston Celtics. And I think that he should have permanent residence on all future and former, except, of course, when we talk about the dead guys because he's still going to be alive. Um, But he should be on all future... Um, lists of douchebags 
in regard to unscripted because this guy is rocking the boat in Boston. This team, I thought, was as talented as anybody coming into the season. They go 9 or 10 deep, and then you bring back Gordon Hayward, who, remember, didn't play at all last year after that horrific first quarter injury last year in their season opener where his leg is dangling at a 45-degree angle. Um, I think Kyrie Irving should just shut the hell up be appreciative that he's in the NBA. He's going to get overpaid by somebody next year. Just shut your goddamn mouth and worry about the remainder of this year. Yeah, I mean, but we can't second guess ourselves too much because we're going every week we're going to think of about five new douchebags we should <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> included on the list. So we can't beat ourselves up too much. Kyrie Irving, I think nobody's that impressed with him personally. And uh, yeah, he's going to get somewhere big. But in fairness, one of the early episodes of Unscripted, we talked about having a big Laker versus Warriors rivalry, you know, which could be a really neat thing. Although even with LeBron, Lakers not looking that great. LeBron's effort hasn't looked that great. He's been calling out his teammates, in fairness. couldn't agree more. And I got to, you know, LBJ is one of my guys. But I got to tell you, folks. Um, he put some real undue pressure on those idiot kids in L.A. that still have to be in L.A. because they couldn't trade them. And if you look at LeBron James, when he was with Cleveland, especially last year, when he single-handedly led them to another fourth straight NBA Finals appearance, LeBron was playing defense. This year, LeBron ain't playing defense. No, he's not. And the 17 games certainly hurt when he was out with the groin injury that he sustained on Christmas Day. But... LeBron's effort on the defensive end, if he, you know, and he is a leader, but everybody in that team is probably scared shitless of doing something wrong and LeBron James just bitch slapping them. And LeBron, I think, needs to step up his defensive effort because, yes, his numbers are outstanding on the offensive end for two reasons. A, they've got nobody else. He has to. But B, on the defensive end, any strides he's making on the offensive end, they're taking steps backward on the defensive end because LeBron needs to lead by example. And I love LeBron, I'm telling you. I've said it a million times, you know that. But I'm disappointed with his defensive intensity on that end of the floor. Yeah, and even if they put together this big super team or whatever they're trying to do i'm not convinced it's going to be that great and certainly not convinced it's going to compete with the golden state warriors you add kyrie irving to the lakers in the situation they're in right now they're not beating the warriors anytime soon at with that i mean the the warriors uh, run to the finals and beyond is as safe unless the lakers make more than one more move they have to make at least two three more major moves before they're going to compete with golden state that's for sure and just to end off on this by the way, I, I wanted to mention this before we forget, and you brought up douchebags, so I thought I would do that here. But the latest reports, and this doesn't really indicate anything specific, but uh, when we were talking about Johnny Manziel earlier in the week, and uh, it said, you know, he essentially hinting that he broke some terms of his eligibility for the CFL. What is that? So according to Deadspin, uh, Manziel said last summer that these were the conditions. Uh, he was required to see a therapist every week, uh, 10 mandatory doctor visits, and submit lithium tests every each month, which I don't even know what that does. And uh, 
anything else. Uh, originally, he had an assessment by an independent expert on domestic violence, a review by legal counsel, and an in-person discussion conducted by the commissioner. So it looks like it'd be one of the first things. So unless he didn't want to see a therapist anymore, or attend mandatory doctor visits, or submit lithium tests, which I will look up for us, yeah. um, if it's one of those three things or more that he didn't want to do anymore, then that's interesting. But uh, yeah, you don't know what a lithium test is. Nope, do, you? do not have a clue. Um, and if it's fun to do, I'll participate. National Football League is where we're going next as Chris looks up what a lithium test oh, is. Oh, it's, uh, well, it says lithium is a drug used to treat bipolar disorder. Oh. Is, uh, that's in, uh, but then why would they test, f- oh, do they test for it, like, to make sure he's taking it? Well, to make sure he doesn't have a relapse, maybe, or something like that. I was that. thinking, like, it's something they don't want to find, but something they maybe do want to find yeah. to show that he's actually taking his medicine? Right, right. I, I have no idea, but. Wow. Um, if you haven't heard uh, our 314th episode, we opened as we opened uh, our first show of the week that Johnny, Mandel, Johnny Manziel's contract has been terminated by the CFL's Montreal Alouettes at the direction of the CFL head office in Toronto. There's something that he did that we are not privy to in regard to there was some stipulations in his contract or something like that that he did not do and ultimately the uh, Montreal Alouettes were told to terminate the contract of Johnny Manziel and one further little stipulation on this is that let's say Johnny went and talked to John Huffnagel the drinking buddies of the of the uh, CFL's Calgary Stampeders as an example I'm just using that as an example but let's say Manziel went and talked to John Huffnagel about a job with the CFL Stampeders the he can't do that either because the CFL has mandated that if he tries to catch on with another CFL team they will not recognize or authorize the contract so Johnny Mandel's CFL career is over after one year yeah, and I don't think any of us are that surprised. And I'd actually be interested to go back to listen to the episode of Unscripted where we talk about the Manziel trade as it actually happens. I know we weren't very complimentary, but yeah. I hope I just like to I like to think that I would have been sufficiently vociferous uh, talking about how brutal it was that they traded two first round picks for him. I'm hoping that I came out like that, and I would imagine I did. But uh, I think I might have to go back and look. Well, we're and, gonna we definitely do and see what our thoughts were because I'm sure we were saying that this was a mistake. Oh I, yeah, I, I hope I'm, so. I'm I'm of the belief that that was. But um, Johnny Menzel is out as a quarterback in the Canadian Football League, National Football League, as we broadcast here. Excuse me, as we broadcast here on Wednesday afternoon, the 27th of February, um, the combine, the NFL scouting combine, started on Tuesday, the 26th. The regular National Football League calendar year opens on March the 13th, so we're getting up to some dates that seem to excite everybody. Chris and I are not excited about the combine, but I think we're both excited about what potentially could happen on uh, March the 13th, which again is the first date of the next business year for the National Football League. That is when you can officially start to begin negotiating and signing uh, unrestricted free agents and that such. A couple of news and notes out of Green Bay I learned yesterday, which I'm very excited about as the mini rebuild continues in Ashwaubenon, Wisconsin. Um, The Green Bay Packers have come out and publicly said that they will not re-sign slot receiver Randall Cobb after seven or eight years, whatever it is in Green Bay. Cobb 
His years in Green Bay are over. 29-year-old will hit free agency coming again on March the 13th. And also announced by the Packers, and I'm so happy about this, Shampoo Boy will be allowed to enter into unrestricted free agency. The Packers will certainly see and, and they will depend. The, how it was addressed to me was that the Packers will allow him to solicit offers in unrestricted free agents in unrestricted free agency. If nothing transpires and the Packers can get him at their price, there is a chance. But more than likely, number fifty-two, Shampoo Boy Clay Matthews the third, who hasn't done squat in about five years, will become somebody else's headache as of March 13th, and I'm very excited about that. Opens up some more cap availability for the Packers. But now, if Brian Gutekunst, Packers general manager, doesn't address rush outside linebacker, defensive end, that kind of stuff, the rush end position in a 3-4 alignment, which the Packers are still going to play under new coach Matt LaFleur, they will have to address this in the draft. They will have to address this in unrestricted free agency. And now we have a little bit more money to go out and get somebody that's going to get more than three and a half sacks from that very important position uh, in a 3-4 defense. Yeah, somebody's going to sign them based on name value, you'd think, and marketability and all that type of stuff. Or maybe if someone's just really desperate at the position, who knows? I don't know. Or maybe if somebody, I don't know what team this would describe, but if someone has a solid defense and needs like a final piece at that position los angeles rams actually in right as i was saying it that's who popped into mind but i you know i hope they don't sign him i hope they don't either but you know he always because of all the commercials and he believes he's a potential movie star he believes he's the next white boy version of Dwayne the rock johnson (laughs) um, which i laugh at um but i think because he played college ball at usc i think there's a natural connectivity between one of the two la teams and clay matthews the third yeah, I'm sure somebody will sign him, but yeah, he hasn't done anything in a long time, and I think that'll be a mistake for sure. I'm just looking at uh, some of my sources for the Combine news. Speaking of the NFL, not too much interesting going on there right now. Uh, it sounds like Golden Tate wants to sign with the Patriots, and so does everyone else, asshole. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Actually, Golden Tate's supposed to be a really good guy, in fairness. But um, uh, what was the other interesting thing I saw here? And this is becoming more common, I think. So apparently the scouts are kind of saying that there are zero first round wide receiver prospects this year for the draft. And, and we've been seeing that like last, was it last year where you had Ridley and um, uh, DJ Moore were in the first round and that was about it, I think. And yeah, it's just, I mean, wide receivers seem to be somewhat expendable almost, or maybe undervalued, or maybe just the skill isn't there at, uh, you know, at least at that point at their age and they have to develop later, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's we're well, not seeing I as many white receivers coming out as big time like first overall pick type things. And don't you think there 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 are certain drafts like certain years it's running back heavy or a position heavy. This year it seems to be very heavy on rush ends, defensive and offensive linemen, yeah, that kind of stuff, and maybe a little bit of drop off in in quality maybe this year or maybe quantity more is a better word in regard to wide receivers. There always seems to be one or two positions that are just always 
there's one year that year there's a hot ticket item and defensive ends and and that sort of stuff and next year it might be i don't know last year was quarterbacks you know there Mm -hmm. were how many taken in the first round so every year there seems to be one speciality and this year it seems to be on the defensive side of the ball and as we saw in the super bowl defense still plays a role in the national football league folks regardless as to how much the rule makers want to take it the power out of the defensive's hand in regard to you can't touch him after five yards and the quarterbacks might as well have a dress on. That defensive performance by both defenses in the Super Bowl did a lot for defensive need in the National Football League, no question. Yeah, this is definitely considered a defensive line draft. It's unbelievably deep there. But that the problem is that means that it's not going to be a very exciting draft for the casual fan, Correct. right? It's not going to be a very marketable draft. It's going to be a real sort of wonk draft, and uh, it's going to be tough. I mean, I guess there's the first few picks. I would expect the New York Giants, and that's an interesting thing. The New York Giants have uh, had some contradictory things because you have Coach Pat Shermer yep. sitting out there saying, oh, yeah, Eli's our guy. Eli's yeah. coming back. And then you have Dave Gettleman, the GM, saying, uh, <laughs> back the truck up. I think that's a direct quote. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. And so I could see them taking Dwayne Haskins here, potentially even moving up if they feel the need is there for that, which might not be. But uh, if they do move up and try to get the first overall pick, it would be for Haskins, I'm sure. And then that is the right thing to take a quarterback if you're the New York Giants. But uh, for most of the teams, if you're just looking for defensive depth, this is a great draft for you. But if you're looking for skilled, big shot position players, ooh, I don't know, this might not be your thing. So you might want to look at it. We'll see who some of the smart teams are. There might be some smart teams who trade down here, and I'll be very interested to see who those are. And again, not the most exciting thing, but the same type of teams that are going to trade for or sign Clay Matthews are the ones that are going to overdraft somebody like a Kyler Murray, and that will be very interesting to see. A lot of uh, focus of the National Football League right now is the spinning ball, if you will, as to where Le'Veon Bell and his wide receiver teammate, former teammate Antonio Brown, are going to end up whenever, you know, wherever they decide after, of course, March the 13th. But Steelers general manager Kevin Colbert says that there is increasing interest in teams um, in acquiring Antonio Brown in trade. The general manager goes on to say that all teams are in play, even the AFC North teams. Now, when he first addressed this after the meeting with the Steelers' ownership, Art Rooney III, I think it was last week, last Monday, the Antonio Brown and Mr. Rooney got together and they had a good meeting, productive, cleared the air, but obviously at the end of the meeting, it was kind of decided amongst both of them that it would be better for all parties moving forward if Antonio Brown were to be traded out of the Steel City. But when they made that statement, they also said, we'd like to trade him to the other conference, and certainly we aren't going to trade him in any way, shape, or form to an AFC North team. Well, obviously that position has changed a little bit with the news that the general manager of the Steelers say says that all 31 teams in the National Football League are in play, even the AFC North teams. I would have trouble, though, my friend, believing that Kevin Colbert is going to trade this young man to the Bengals, the Browns, or the Ravens. I really have trouble believing that. I believe it's going to be an NFC team, and I said it last week, and I'll say it again, west of the Mississippi River. I could see the Browns 
potentially getting all froggy and saying, uh, we're going to make you an offer you can't refuse. Possibly. I could see that. I don't see the Bengals or the Ravens doing that. Although the, well, no, the Ravens, I wouldn't do it either because, I mean, as much as they could use a receiver and they did announce they're releasing Michael Crabtree this week. I could, the problem is, how do you, this whole Lamar Jackson thing, I don't know, like, how do you, why would you even bother signing a big name receiver? He doesn't even throw the ball. Like, he I can't mean, throw the ball. Yeah, so I don't, it's not even worth it. So the only team I could see really making a pitch for him would be, uh, would be the Cleveland Browns in the in the AFC North. But, uh, you know, it, probably not, because they'll have to pay such a premium, in fairness, but. I still yeah. think the best scenario for him is the one that you came up with, Indianapolis. Oh yeah, I think that's an. I think that's that checks off every check. You've got teams with uh, well above. Uh, uh, you've got cap space. They're over hundred million bucks. Yeah, they've got cap space. TJ or Ty Hilton as the other side receiver. You've got still under thirty Andrew Luck, who basically has got to be refreshed after taking you know most of 17 off if not all of 17 came back and had a great year in 18 i think indianapolis makes great sense i really do um we we shall see it'll be interesting honestly i would i want to pick you up on that though because i love how interesting it is when you look at how good and how set up for not only how good now but how set up for the future certain teams are and then you relate it to the cap Mm -hmm. so the indianapolis colts have the most cap space in the league at 107 million how what a great situation they're in, especially after getting rid of their old idiot GM Ryan Grigson, who said they, he couldn't build a team because Andrew Luck was making so much. Well, guess what? You now have you get rid of that idiot and bring in Chris Ballard. Now you have who's a proper GM. Now you have the most cap space in the league. Franchise quarterbacks healthy, great wide receiver. You could afford to bring in another one. Nobody could stop you. You have arguably the best offensive line in the league, especially when it comes to pass protection. You have a great young running back in Marlon Mack at just straight up rushing the ball. You have a great young running back in Naheem Hines, who's great at catching the ball out of the backfield. Um, they're probably going to sign Landon Collins, who cleaned out his locker with the Giants and is going there for safety help. Maybe add a couple defensive pieces, which you have all the money in the world to do. The Indianapolis Colts are looking like a serious player going forward, and I could absolutely see them being in on Antonio Brown. I think they should do that. And it's just funny when you contrast that with the Miami Dolphins, who are 300-1 to to win the Super Bowl, are expected to be the worst team in the league this year, and and have the fourth least cap space. What the fuck is going on? How is that possible? (laughs) I want to know. If you were to sit down after everything that they've just done in Indianapolis, everything's positive, a nice newer stadium, great practice facility, uh, cap space, Frank Reich has turned out to be a hell of a choice as coach. If you were to give that opportunity, let's go back in time to the end of last season and the Colts thought they had a deal with Josh McChicken from the New England Patriots. Do you think he'd reconsider now? Because I tell you, Indianapolis is looking like a real attractive place to play right now. Yeah. And they've got all the tools, and they've kind of found a way to keep Ursay's mouth shut, his drunken ass, keep him shut. But Ballard has been a revelation, what he's done there, to be able to pull this off. And you didn't have a coach, basically, at this time last year because of McChicken. Um, I wonder if McChicken, because you know what, this isn't being a rocket scientist. This isn't being, you know, knowing more than anybody else, but I think this came to, this came to everybody's clear focus at the Super Bowl. When they lose Belichick, they aren't going to be the same team that they are now. They aren't. 
And even if McChicken ends up being the, the, the heir apparent in Boston to Belichick, they're still not going to have that same amount of success. And hopefully by that time, Buffalo and the New York Jets, I'm never including Miami, but Buffalo and the New York Jets will at least have gotten their shit together where they can at least be competitive when they play the New England Patriots and make that division a little bit tougher. But I think even McChicken would have to tell you that if you put a gun to his head, I think he'd realize that he may have passed something up pretty special in the state of Indiana. Well, but if he's honest with himself, he knows he would have screwed it up. Plus, he would have missed out on the Super Bowl this year. So I just, I just, look, I don't, I think he knows his limitations. And at this point, he's not getting another chance. He might regret it if he wants to really be the man, but I think he'd rather just have some rings for tagging along. And uh, (laughs) yeah, I don't, I don't see a lot of, uh, maturity or ambition or really anything else with Josh McDaniels. Before we get out of here on this 316th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris, a couple of real quick notes. Steve Keim, the guy who can't turn down a drink, the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, he says that, because they asked him point blank, is Josh Rosen your quarterback for this season? He answered that question by saying that Josh Rosen is our quarterback for now. I still believe in my heart of hearts, I don't know why, but they've already, obviously they've gotten into bed with with uh, Cliff Kingsbury, and he seems to have a bit of a man crush on Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray officially told the Oakland Athletics he's not playing baseball last week, so he is he is all in on football. For some reason, and this is just the Arizona Cardinals at their ever-loving worst, I just have a real sneaky feeling that the Cardinals are going to take Kyler Murray first overall, and I think that's going to be a mistake. I really do. Now, I do think that he won't be any worse than Josh Rosen. I no, will definitely I get say that. that but I, I get that, my friend. But yeah. what I'm saying is I just think that they have a lot of holes to fill, and I don't think drafting a quarterback in the top 10 two years in a row is going to do for the long-term feasibility of the franchise, I don't think that helps the Arizona Cardinals. No, not at all. And I mean, what are you going to get for Rosen in a trade package right now anyway? Oh, yeah, nothing. Yeah, no, but I think they should draft Nick Bosa, and they should have they should pair. Bingo. Yeah, you, have, you recreate the whole Joey Bosa-Melvin Ingram thing with Nick Bosa and Chandler Jones. Bingo. Right? The uh, less douchey of, uh, you know, whose, whose brother is the number one douchebag for me, John Jones, of course. But anyway, Chandler, i got no problem with him. And uh, he and Nick Bosa would look really good back there. And when you when you combine that with Patrick Peterson, you're on the oh, yeah. right. You're on the way. And now they signed Robert Alford, who's not gonna you know blow anyone away, but at least they have a serviceable NFL cornerback on the other side to right. play across from Peterson. You know, but you're starting to kind of build an amazing defense. But then you're in, you're kind of looking like the Jacksonville Jaguars with Bortles and a great defense. So you know, it, but it's on the right track. You do need to move on from Rosen. Uh, but uh, you draft Nick Bosa and you worry about stuff later. Realistically, Kyler Murray really should be, I think, a second-round pick, but he's just, it's going to keep, you know, the hype's going to keep going. It was pretty obvious, though, in the last couple weeks when a lot of GMs were talking, and you could tell that, basically, look, if a GM is talking to interviewers and is really being open about where he thinks someone's going, he is either, you know, downplaying someone he wants or he's overselling someone he doesn't want so that that, you know, leaves guys fall to him that he wants. And a lot of GMs I noticed leading up to the combine here were talking about how, you know, they think Kyler Murray's going to go really high. So it's going to really trick some sucker GM into taking this guy and overdrafting a five foot nine guy who's just unheard of. I mean, 
that's even shorter than Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson is a very, very special case. Under six feet is almost unheard of in the NFL. And it's not like, you know, in hockey where, you know, it's just kind of the cool thing. There's legitimate concerns. It's tough for somebody who's shorter to, first of all, to even have hands big enough to hold the ball. And I know that firsthand. <laughs> yeah. But even just to, you know, to see over these, the guys in front of you, on both sides of the Absolutely. ball are six foot seven. So I mean, it's it's just crazy. It's very unrealistic that Kyler Murray is going to have a great career in the NFL. I think he's making a huge mistake by going to the NFL over baseball. Well, and here's the thing, folks. What some people don't seem to understand, and I think this is residue of following Baker Mayfield. People don't please please don't allow yourself to forget this. Kyler Murray had one year at Oklahoma. He's playing in a watered-down Big 12 conference. I don't care what anybody says. Your conference championship game was Oklahoma and a three-loss Texas team? Come on, guys. Um, Kyler Murray is a very... Hey, listen, anybody that is talked about as a guy that has already been drafted by baseball and they're talking about getting drafted in the National Football League, he's got unbelievable skills, athletic skills. I get that. But he's only played one year. People forget that Russell Wilson played three years at North Carolina State and then went to Wisconsin as a fifth-year transfer because he had graduated from NC State, and NC State was going through a coaching change, and so he used the rules to his benefit to get him to Madison, Wisconsin, and play one year with the Badgers in the Big Ten. But he had four years of college football and then went to the National Football League. And even as good as he's turned out to be, people also forget this, he was a third-round draft pick. That's where I think Kyler Murray should go. Sure. Second or third round. Yeah. Not first overall. Not for a guy that's got 13 college, 14 college football games under his belt. That's the same number that Mitchell Trubisky had when he left North Carolina and was the second overall pick of the Bears a couple of years ago. And it took Trubisky a year and a half to get his head out of his ass. And it helped when you got Camille Mack and your defense kind of took over while the offense was kind of feeling themselves out in Chicago and led to the 12-4 and four season and yada, 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 but you lost in the first round of the playoffs, so it sucks to be you, Bears fans. Um, I don't think Kyler Murray at this point, and I don't think it's even fair to the young man to put that unnecessary pressure on him and make him be the franchise bear on 14 starts at the collegiate level. The, you got to remember this too, folks. That the worst guys on an NFL franchise, the worst, the guys, let's say, 45 through 53, they were a star somewhere else. There aren't guys on the Oklahoma roster or the Texas roster or the West Virginia roster or the Kansas roster, for crying out loud, that would make an NFL roster. All I'm saying is Kyler Murray's talented, but you're putting way too much pressure on a young man that's played 14 collegiate football games. Yeah, and even I, with my limited knowledge of college football, know that he comes from a conference that is known for playing as much defense as an NBA All-Star Correct. game. Yes. And it's you add that to the limited sample size, his small height, there's red flags everywhere here. And on top of it all, John Gruden really likes him, so that's a that's a big red flag too. Who I love John Gruden. Yep. But but I mean if you watched him on ESPN Monday Night Football over the years, he loves those goofy different quarterbacks like your you know your Tim Tebow's and and that type of thing he he loves the kind of fun guys who are who are really unique and don't generally translate to success at the NFL level but the odds to me of a five foot nine guy with limited uh you know limited experience in a off in an offensive league 
almost zero to me. I just can't see a way this guy's going to be even moderately successful, never mind be a superstar. And the fact that he took going to the NFL where he's going to have to play quarterback, the most visible position in professional sports, instead of baseball, where he could have just fallen through the cracks as just another guy making tons and tons of money every year and has... I, I honestly like a much, much, much better chance of having a long career at the very least, yep. not to mention having a quality career as well. Uh, the fact that he didn't do that means he's been drinking his own bathwater and reading his own press clippings. And it's an unbelievably big mistake. My only hope for this young man, and I'm not sure I'm really rooting for him when he makes a decision this bad is that after he fails and flames out in the NFL, that he'll be able to go to the to the major league baseball and still be able to salvage a career uh, I would guess he might be able to, but I'm not even convinced of that if he lets his skills deteriorate for a while. I understand that NFL uh, you know, is much more appealing and football is a more exciting game. I totally relate to that. But for his own career and financial well-being, he has made the wrong decision here, and I'm ready to declare that right now. You know, you're getting so good that uh, you could work for Ron Barr. <laughs> was backhanded compliment. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are getting good, and I'd I'd listen to you for damn sure. Oh, thank even you. if you'd even if you'd work for Ron Barr. Wow. We've got to run, folks, on this 316th episode of Unscripted. The boss is getting very good, folks. When he when he gets the uh, college football and college basketball on par with his with his knowledge of the National Football League and the National Hockey League, I'll be looking for another job. We've got to run, folks, on this 316th episode of Unscripted. We thank you as always for uh, joining us and hope that you continue to do so. Freeform Friday is next, the one that we look forward to, and uh, it's a great way to end the week here on Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.